Hey there and welcome. You are listening to the Parkview Global Podcast. We are so excited for you to join the conversations between our Global Missions hosts and our amazing guests. Don't forget to follow our social media accounts at Parkview Global. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Parkview Global Podcast. My name is Bill Carroll, and I'm the global pastor at Parkview Church outside of Chicago. Uh, We want to invite you to follow along with us as we welcome a different one of our global partners on the podcast each month. Today, we have something a little different for you I'm excited about. A few of our major global partners are not individuals or groups, but instead church planting organizations. Uh, These groups are actually experts in starting new churches. And we work directly with them to help start new churches in the United States and all over the world. Today, we're talking to two members of the team from Stadia Church Planting. Uh, First is Brent Folk, the Vice President of Global Planting. Uh, Brent, I'm thinking about it. I'm pretty sure that you and I met for the first time in like 1999 at the National New Church Conference, uh, which is now the, the very popular Exponential Conference. So that's a long time ago. (laughs) That's true. We're old. (laughs) We are are old. And also, I was joined by one of my new friends, Andrea Hamilton. Andrea is the Director of Global Development for Stadia. And it's been really fun uh, working with Andrea in the last few months on some projects. And I can't wait to see what both of us get to develop out of that. And it's great to have you both here. Welcome, Andrea and Brent. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here, Bill. Thanks. First things first, on this podcast, we have Chicago and we have New York. So the obvious first question would be, Chicago pizza versus New York pizza, uh, which is better? Discuss. Uh, well, uh, you know, some people are uh, gluten intolerant and pizza is a hard thing, but I'm gluten dependent. So nice. I like them both. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Andrew, how about you? Yeah, I am absolutely a New York pizza girl. Mm-hmm. I love the big slices that are thin. The sauce is perfect. Oh, so good. My mouth's watering already. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago deep dish and New York thin are like different animals. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I like how you can fold New York pizza like that. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we're past the important things. So now let's get on to other things. Um, guys, again, so glad to have you here. And if you would, we would love for you to just kind of start from the beginning. Tell us Stadia's story. Cause you've been through so many generations really already. And I mean, your influence has grown and, and you work around the world now. So start from the beginning. Tell us the story. Well, uh, in the 1990s, a church planning network in Northern California began a multiplying movement. They were successful. Uh, They were influenced a lot by a disciple maker named Bryce Jessup um, and also a visionary leader named Dean Pence. And these two guys, they're uh, in their 80s now, um, were both visionaries. Uh, Dean was the president of Northern California Evangelizing Association. And following him, Marcus Bigelow became the president, also influenced by Bryce. Uh, And uh, then another uh, key figure in the story developing is um, actually a businessman who was also discipled by Bryce. And Pat Gelsinger's name has become uh, more and more famous as he leads VMware. But he really challenged the Northern California group to become a national group. He said, what we've got going here, reproducing, multiplying churches, we should be doing that everywhere in the country. And so Marcus and uh, a group in Southern California, some other organizations partnered up with CDF to form Stadia in 2003. And so since 2003, Stadia has been 
uh, pursuing new church strategies. That's what they named it, Stadia New Church Strategies. And uh, we've been helping all over the U.S., working with other organizations, working with church planting churches, working with unaffiliated church planters, kind of developing the science and technology of church planting so that we can plant the best churches and the most churches possible uh, in the United States. And then since 2011, we also have become uh, a little more prolific and started to grow the scale globally outside the U.S., uh, the story really has to include a partnership that we formed in 2011 with Compassion International. Cool. And uh, in Latin America now, uh, many, many churches, dozens and dozens of churches have been established and lots of kids sponsored. And so we've also now added since then other global partnerships. And uh, the focus is always, though, for us, churches that intentionally and strategically care for the next generation, for children. And uh, our vision is if we keep this up and Jesus tarries, every child will have a church. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So like, you know, big changes. So what would you say is the catalyst that really moved from, you know, a church plan organization in California to, you know, domestic in the United States to then now global, like what, what moved them that direction? Yeah. I think there was a couple of things that uh, caused us to make this move for one, um, we know that uh, for a new church to develop a global perspective is critical. So we want all of our new churches to have sort of great commission mentality. But uh, it's also hard when you're getting a new church started to really do a lot in the global arena. So we were looking for a way to help, help our new churches get involved globally. And compassion uh, and child sponsorship was kind of a, a window into that world. We also want to just facilitate any strategy That'll create a movement. And what we began to learn in Latin America is there are a lot of very uh, aggressive church planting movements uh, who just need a little extra resources that we can put in to, to help speed them on. So opportunity and need both kind of contributed to the change. Love that. Um, you know, around the world, there are a lot of different church planting organizations. What makes Stadia different than everybody else? Well, uh, Stadia is an alliance, so uh, we can work with anybody. Uh, we can work with anybody that wants to see church planting increase in their scale of new churches. And so um, in the U.S., we have a very robust system of serving new church pastors. We offer it mostly for free, uh, and we'll work with any denomination, any movement that that really wants to see the church, Big C, move forward. I love that. Um, so I'm like, give, give me the list, like what countries currently is Stadia active in? Yeah, we've really an opportunity to expand a whole lot more in the last several years, which is exciting. Um, so now we have churches in 17, maybe soon to be 18 countries, Nice. So several in Latin America. I mean, you all know we're in Brazil, we're in Colombia, Bolivia, Ecuador, Peru, Mexico, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, and we have churches in Asia as well. We're in Myanmar and Thailand with one of our partners. And then we have um, another partner in the South Asia area. We keep that cut those country or countries um, private just because of protection for identity. We're in South Asia area. Um, and then we also have had churches in South Africa in the last couple of years. We're helping train pastors there, but we are now working to expand more um, into the African continent into Kenya, Liberia, possibly Tanzania. So 
we're all over the place. So much fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Now that you have like the momentum, like, are you guys going out looking for opportunities or are they like coming to you now at this point? It's kind well, of a mix of both, right, Brent? Yeah, we, we get a lot of inquiries, but we also have developed kind of a matrix that um, matches up culturally, scale to scale. You know, we, we're doing um, dozens and hundreds of churches. So wow. uh, the one-offs are harder, honestly, for us to do or help. And uh, so, and, and we have a, a, some other factors that cause us to sort of identify key partners. That's awesome. So, you know, obviously for you guys too, like sustainable change is a big part of what you do. So like we're planning churches that um, are not just one-offs, like you said, you, you're trying to create churches that change communities, change, change nations and everything else. What, what do you see are like the conduits of sustainable change and development in the world? And how are you guys trying to implement those in, in your churches? I think one of those major conduits for sustainable development is funding and empowering the indigenous leaders. So for us, it's totally about the indigenous leader. Um, these people are fully capable. They're gifted individuals, just like scripture says, and they can lead hundreds and thousands of people. Sometimes it's just, you know, the one thing that they need that we can, you know, generously help provide to help empower um, or support them. But they're the ones who know their areas. They know their people. You know, like as an American, I have no idea the most effective way to go plant a church in Brazil or South Asia. And chances are that if I do and I try to do that, the sustainability will decrease or I will hurt more than I'm going to help. Um, but the indigenous leaders in their communities understand the culture. They understand all those nuances that like, you know, take us forever to learn or, you know, we have to learn from an indigenous person when we're traveling there. They know the needs. They know what their people respond best to. So equipping and empowering those leaders, I think, is the most effective thing. One of the most effective things we can do to help those churches be sustainable. Yeah, we think of it as tipping things in the right direction. So we find partners that um, clearly are great leaders. And if we can just add a little resource to tip them in the right direction, that's that's kind of our goal. I think we, you guys also, are- we also think we got a lot to learn, frankly. Good. We do not have the corner on the market of scale and evangelistic strength uh, in the West any longer. And we really have a lot to learn. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I think you've hit on one of the big topics that we've been trying to reinforce. And like, how do you walk into those situations in a different country, come alongside them and, and, and support them and coach them? But also, what does the humility piece look like? How do you walk in, you know, day one? And like, like you said, we want to learn as well as be able to coach. What, what does that look like? Yeah, well, I think for one thing, we have to put down sort of our um, arrogance. Uh, you know, I think, you know, national pride is fine. And, and all, we, all the countries we work in, everybody's kind of proud of their own soccer team or, yep. uh, you know, certain aspects of their culture. But we have to lay down at the border, I think, any sort of arrogance that we've got it figured out or we know what we're doing. We're really bad about that sometimes as Americans. And it's, it causes a backlash, honestly, some places in the world. And uh, so I think our mindset going in has to be one with the open hand and a humble heart. Um, And we have to really celebrate those leaders that we meet that are doing great things, genuinely celebrate them and take notes. And so uh, both of those are sort of things that we talk about all the time. We go on trips, we take pastors on trips is let's learn from this, from this group. Let's see what they're doing and, and let's celebrate them and encourage them. And, and, you know, maybe we can add some resource to help them along the way. Yeah. I think remembering that 
this looks different everywhere and it is okay that it looks different everywhere. And, you know, part of, if you travel much, I, I think everybody has some kind of experience where you experience something that totally changes your perspective, like globally, and it keep your, you know, your, your world perspective keeps changing. I remember when I was in South Asia, um, at one point I had gone to a worship service and, um, for some reason in my mind, I had always had it that that sitting on the floor on mats and like having like those interesting in- instruments, like where the people are sitting on pillows at the front leading through worship. I had 100 percent tied that to Eastern religions that were not, you know, based in truth and not about Jesus. And I come to this worship service and that is how everything is laid out, <laughs> set up. But they're worshiping Jesus. And in that moment, I had this thing in my brain that went off that was like, this isn't, this is a, this is a style, like this is part of their culture. There's nothing wrong with this style. It's who they're worshiping. So even stuff like that, I think is just helpful to remember this looks different and it's okay that it looks different. And and then it put me in my place. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So Brent, on the domestic side, you know, you guys were planting churches in California across the United States and they're at some level, there's kind of a formula to that because, you know, there's a lot of similarities between major cities in the United States and people groups. When you go to now planting globally, I mean, is that, does that change the speed of everything? Because, I mean, you yeah, yeah, it does. It kind of changes it, it both both ways. In some cases, slower. In some cases, faster. Oh, nice. Um, but what, what we've experienced a lot in Latin America is just this willingness for the entrepreneurial, very skilled leader to be bivocational. And so his work as in leading a church is often his side hustle. Yeah. Uh, I, I think of uh, one of our pastors in Santa Elena, Ecuador, is a school principal. And I mean, this guy is sharp. You, you can just tell when you meet him. He knows what he's doing. I bet he's a great principal. I haven't visited his school, but I'm sure it's excellent. And uh, his church is thriving. But it's always a part-time on the side kind of gig because he was already engaged in serving the community and sharing Jesus in his platform as a school principal. Well, now he's got the platform as a pastor of the local church, uh, White Flag Church down in Missouri funded their building and goes and visits them and sponsors all the kids that he can serve. And it's a phenomenal deal, but he's he's world class. He could do what wow. he's doing anywhere. So that's wow. the kind of success story that really gets our our motor running. Well, let's, let's step off that then. We, we love stories. Would you both like share one of your favorite stadium planting stories? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure Brent has way more than I do. <laughs> he could probably talk all day long with great stories. But um, I think one of the what success stories that has inspired me uh, just in the special ways is what we are doing in South Asia with our partner Enhance there. Um, just because the model of equipping indigenous leaders there is like the, the multiplication that's happening there is exponential. I mean, it's crazy. It just literally spreads like wildfire. And, um, and so these, these indigenous leaders are trained for a year, then they're sent out and they, the average is that they will plant three to six churches in their first several years of ministry. Wow. Like it's, and that is, that is like with um, them, you know, tracking everything. And the, so three is like very conservative. And so they have more than 8,000 leaders out on the Alvin communities right now. And their goal is to hit a hundred thousand communities by 2030. And they are on, actually they're above a little bit goal of up awesome. and to the right of where they're headed. 
Um, but some of their stories are, man, that, like I said, put me in my place. They will um, remind me, you know, of what following Jesus really looks like when it's hard. And um, one story that I heard recently was about a church planter who, um, as he in this area, persecution super high. And so as he became a uh, Christian, there's a lot of people in their community, specifically one family that really gave him a hard time. I mean, they beat him up. They would like, they would steal from him, just like lots of just total, you know, treat him with disrespect. And like, he was super, super low on the totem pole. And, um, and in the midst of this COVID stuff, a lot of people are starving because social distancing in an impoverished country create starvation. Um, and so as that he hears this family was starving, well, he took, uh, food and supplies to them. And as soon as he comes up to the door, um, the family comes out and they see what he's doing and holding and giving to them. And they fell to their knees and they were kissing his feet and crying. And they apologized to him and said, uh, we want to know about your God, because if this is what you do because of your God, we want to know who he is. Wow. And I'm like, man, to be a church planter, you know, and go to the people who treated you the worst, which is what Jesus would do and provide for them when they don't deserve it. And then look what happens. And um, so that's, that, that's a recent one. That's one of my, you know, favorite stories that I've heard recently. It's really challenged me. I love that. How about you, Brent? Well, so I'll tell a story that uh, resulted in uh, church planting in Colombia, but uh, Parkview gang could I identify with this because it's from a big church in Phoenix. Cool. And um, th this church has uh, got a history of just being super generous, but uh, hadn't done a lot globally in that. And the pastor change, a new pastor cast a vision. Uh, they want to change a whole country when they're a big enough church that they can. You know, you guys have done a lot of great work in Africa through your peace plan stuff. They they genuinely want to change a whole country. So they first sponsored 11,000 kids on one weekend which is like, wow, that's, that's way, that's by far the largest sponsorship event we've ever heard of. And then two weeks later, they took up an offering of several million dollars to plant new churches so that all those kids would be served in new churches. Wow. The result of that is uh, we actually ended up planting 29 churches in Colombia. Wow. Because of their uh, generosity, they challenged some other churches to match what they're doing. They even gave credit to some other churches. You plant this one and sponsor the kids. Uh, we'll just pay for it. So that kind of generosity at that CCV in Phoenix uh, has been so inspiring. And it's really become almost like just a, a legend <laughs> what we get to do. Awesome partnerships that you guys are building too. Like, because there's a lot of churches that are partnering with you guys in, in amazing ways, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, we we have um, amazing uh, relationships across the country and now across the world, where we just kind of get to have a front row seat. And you know, we're introducing people, and sometimes I feel like that real estate agent that sells mansions. You know, we walk through we walk these really nice places and show the features, and somebody else steps in and buys it, and. Uh, that, that's kind of what we get to do all the time. That's not a bad job. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's one of the other hot topics we've been talking about with all of our guests. Um, 
we've been talking a lot about the changes in the global church. And right now it's estimated about two thirds of all the Christians in the world live in the global South, the, the Southern hemisphere of the earth uh, with the major population centers, probably being in Africa, Asia, Latin America. And I think this conversation is super cool because Stadia is highly active in all three of those areas. When you, when considering the new world landscape, would you talk about what you see as responsibility of the northern churches and the southern churches and how do they, what are the roles they play? How do they work together? You've already hit on the fact, you know, that there's great church planning in Latin America that you guys are just coming alongside and helping resource. Like, give me some more examples of what does it look like for the north and the southern churches to really work together to complete the Great Commission? Yeah, well, as we said, our uh, mission statement is to plant churches that intentionally care for children. And, uh, and, and if we do it well, every child will have a church. So we partner with some of the same partners you guys have, like Mohi in Africa. Yep. I'm super excited about churches that are really the beginning of a whole school system. Yep. And when it's done, 1,000, 1,200 kids will be served. And this is in a slum or, or any number of slum areas that are just horrifically poor. Uh, but uh, Mohi, led by Wallace and Mary Kamau, have developed a system and have tremendous leadership skills to recruit teachers. Um, and so we're excited about taking them from 20,000 students that they have now up to 100,000 students. Wow. But, but think about the difference that makes in the lives of North American Christians who get the opportunity to contribute a little bit every month to the education and, and release from poverty of those children. It changes us as disciples. And so we talk about the triple win. Not only does the local leader gain credibility and access to the community, the local child and his or her family are completely changed. The disciples that are doing that sponsorship on the U.S. side are completely changed. So we call that kind of the triple win, and we love it. <laughs> so. Yeah, love that. How about you, Andrea? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, we like Brent said, we as the North, we get opportunities to give, and we know what generosity does to us and um, helps to grow our gratitude and see what God does way more with, you know, the small gift or, you know, whatever size gift it is, God will always do more with it than we could have done with it. Um, but kind of like we were talking about earlier, I think part of what the South ends up then contributing to us is inspiration and perspective. So that we learn um, from them, the better we become as Christians, which then hopefully facilitates us to give more. And then it just has, you know, this great impact on one another. It's, you know, like Brent was saying, um, where we're helping each other out in different ways and in ways that God has gifted us in different ways. Yeah, I'll tell you another story that uh, relates to this North-South thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, our board challenged us as a staff to gather 15,000 prayer partners. We're 15th year anniversary. And we were just like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of prayer partners to gather. Well, our partner in South Asia contribute 7,000 prayer partners who every single month pray for us in the U.S. and all our partner churches to grow in God's grace and, and to be led by the Spirit. They pray for us every month. And I'm like so humbled by the fact that they are leveraging their uh, enthusiasm and their access to the Holy Spirit on our behalf. And, and we need it, as you know. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, probably my favorite question to ask is, what are you excited about right now? So like, g give me one thing 
a place Stadia is working, a place Stadia might work. You're ex- give me give me a, something you're really excited about right now. Um, so I'll start, and you know this well because we've gotten to have conversations about this, and I'm trying to learn from you all um, that Likewise. we. In the light of uh, the world right now, you know, we have um, been pushed to be more innovative. And so a big piece of what um, Stadia Global does is take leaders and people from around the country on vision trips to where we are partnering so that you can catch the vision, you can see it, you can smell it, you can meet the people, you can learn from them, you can get that perspective and inspiration and then come home and do something about it, which is what we're always encouraging, you know, people to help fund these people to church plant. So we can't take people anywhere right now, which, you know, I'm bummed about because I love to travel. But, <laughs> um, but that has pushed us to go into the world of virtual vision trips. And so right now we are in R&D phase of uh, figuring out what that looks like. How can we pull people together to still experience us, even in like a digital way um, where they're doing it digitally, but we send, you know, incense or some sort of spices or food to their house so that they can experience both at the same time. Um, but make it a memorable learning still experience for them to catch that vision still as much as possible and give them the opportunity to still act um, at the end of, you know, learning about all of that. And I, I'm really excited about it because it's new. I like new. And, you know, but the other thing is that it ends up opening up a lot more opportunity for more people to experience that because, you know, not everybody can spend the money or um, take the time to go on those trips, you know, every year or once every couple of years. But this lets you do it, you know, like on a Monday afternoon, or um, it will just widen the net to how many people can really experience this, um, which I'm really pumped about. You skipped over the best part too, as you're trying to give them the multi-sensory experience. Tell them about the candle company you found. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been definitely trialing many things to figure out, you know, how can you taste and smell this the best? But um, Disney has Magic Candle Company. So <laughs> of course they do. Yeah, of course. They have everything. So they have all of these scents now from like at their Epcot experiences and different rides, like the Soarin' Ride, which is a ticket mm-hmm. travel ride from around the world and stuff. And so you can order like candles or car fresheners or oils called like flying over Africa or or like one that smells like burning because you know they're you're smelling charcoal burning in the town that you're walking through it so yeah it's kind of that stuff is kind of fun you know to try a lot out and see how can we really help people experience this that's awesome yeah pulling back the curtain peeking behind the curtain yeah um I think one of the things that I'm so excited about is just the transfer of information from uh, country and continent to other countries and continents. Um, God's really used this partnership in Latin America and going to keep using it. We we believe it's best days are yet ahead with that. But we're able to leverage what we've learned there now with like the Mohi partnership, for example. And they really want to scale out and and get a lot more people involved and manage that growth in a way that that really is dramatic. And so we've been able to be that uh, conduit of information and tell them how how our experience has gone in Latin America. So that generational transfer, I don't know if it comes with, you know, more gray hair or whatever, but you start to feel like, wow, the experiences that we've had are going to affect the kingdom moving forward. And so I'm probably as excited about that as anything. And we, uh, I don't know what it, where it'll go, but we get a chance to do a little workshop at Exponential Europe 
this fall. And uh, we're just going to share, you know, a lot of the story of Stadia and uh, hopefully uh, the inspiration will carry forward into some of the European movements that de- you know, desperately need to revive the gospel in that continent and such an important continent in the history of the world. But uh, really pretty, uh, as you know, from personal experience, very challenging and, and, and very post-Christian. So I think that transfer from generation to generation is the thing that excites me the most right now. I love that. So for people who are interested in Stadia's work, how can they get involved? How can they get more information? Yeah. A couple of different ways. We, uh, you can email me or you can email Stadia at uh, info at stadiachurchplanting.org or mine is andrea.hamilton at stadiachurchplanting.org. You can also go to our site if you kind of want to look around at what we do globally. It's stadiachurchplanting.org backslash global. And then one thing that we um, started this year is a Instagram for what I mean, Stadia already has all our social media, but we started a specific one for what we do globally. And so you can hear a lot of stories on there and see faces of people that we work with. And that um, Instagram handle is Stadia Global. Nice. The, the day you had the contest where you launched your Instagram, relaunched your Instagram and you're giving away the, the new cool free t-shirts. Yeah. Um, we were trying to relaunch our Instagram, but we, but we couldn't find the password. So we couldn't. And like, so as soon as we saw that, I'm like, I had both interns run around trying to find the password so we could get a free t-shirt. We were too slow. <laughs> Bill, we'll send you a t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> I promised to wear it on the podcast. Okay, uh, great. Good. <laughs> All right, Brent and Andrew, we want to thank you so much for sharing your passion for church planting and being on the podcast today. Parkview is so honored to be partnered with you and with Stadia. Um, and thank you for the free t-shirt. That's awesome. Um, we want our listeners to know they can find more information about Stadia in the show notes on the website. And you can also find more links and information about all of Parkview's global partners on the website with the show notes. So thank you guys so much for being here with us. Thanks for having us, Bill. This is fun. Such a pleasure to be partnered with Parkview. Likewise, likewise. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.